Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. If we really want things, it starts with us first. We have to stop wanting somebody else to go and get it for us. We have to start doing it for ourselves. And that's what I hope to be able to do more of but then that's also the beauty of being able to be on this type of platform that also reaches other people that they also go, you know what? There's something about that that sounds kind of right. Let's actually start doing that instead of just constantly let's post the hashtag or let's go on the thing. Because all that does is that gives you the sugar to your ears that makes you feel good for a moment, but doesn't really yeah. do anything. Well, thanks for joining us, Denim. We really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here, excited to have a good conversation and, you know, just dive, dive in, talk about the waterfront. Hell yeah, I love that. <laughs> so look, I've, um, I, I guess just because it's fresh on my mind, I actually watched, I've been watching Yellowstone and I watched the, I guess it was the season premiere, right, of the third season that just came out, the 21st? Yeah, 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 yeah. Last, yeah, on, uh, last, uh, last Sunday, yeah, season premiere. Uh, great. Uh, we had, you know, record ratings, which is really awesome. So congratulations to the cast and the crew and to Paramount, obviously. Um, but yeah, so really excited about uh, getting into this new season. A lot of really fun things are going on. I'm curious. Um, I, I want to get back to the episode, but I'm just curious, like, how many episodes have y'all filmed and does the pandemic affect any of that? Um, well, we filmed, so, you know, all season three is, is done in the can. So oh, that's good. We, yeah. So that's the, that's the good thing. Um, we're, so we're, I think the pandemic affected probably some of the timing. I think we were supposed to be going back, um, to shoot season four. I think it was like in May originally. Um, and now we're slated to kind of go back in August. Um, but there's also some company moves that we're doing as well, like just changing location sites. So, you know, you don't ever really know. And obviously, like with uh, the production being in kind of multiple states, as well as the different states having kind of different uh, regulations yeah. and rules for what it is that they're doing, uh, it really does kind of make it really difficult um, to kind of, you know, figure it out. So right now, we're slated to now go back, I believe, and start filming again in August is what I was last thing that I was hearing. Um, and now we're just, I, you know, and that's what we know now, but that's also like six weeks, seven weeks from now. And so that could also change again. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. you know, you just, you just kind of like just stay patient and just try to, you know, go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, the good news is you got season three in the can, like you said, and right now they're premiering out. So you can kind of be a part of that. Right. And, and, and yeah. just get that going. Yeah. Where, where are yeah, you at exactly right now? Denim? I, live, uh, I live, I live in, I live in Orange County. So in you're California. in Orange County. Got it. Yeah, I'm in Austin. Yeah. I'm in Austin, oh, Texas okay. right now. Okay, so. we have a we have we were so I know we were supposed to go down there for uh, South by Southwest this year, um, but then obviously it got canceled. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, you know, it's 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 so it's so funny because it was going to be like the one. It's like the one place that I hadn't been to in Texas yet that everyone was like, oh, you have to go, you have to go, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. this would be perfect. This would be my first year being in South by Southwest. You know. And then also being able to, you know, to be in Austin, but you know, it is what it is. You know, it's just it's, it's always right. 
<laughs> just trying to just take the crooked with the straights. It's all you can really do right now. Totally. I mean, California is doing the same thing that the Texas is, do, you know, sort of reshutting everything down again. We had opened up. Now yeah. we're closing back up again and it, you know, it makes it difficult. It's, Are you it's, right? It's a men- it's, I think it's a, you know, it's such a mental and emotional, um, you know, mind situation. I think, you know, I think that's so much, there's so much information that's always flowing all the time and media is always changing, you know, and because it's, you can, whatever channel you decide to subscribe to, you know, they're telling you a completely different viewpoint. And then whatever viewpoint you subscribe to doesn't then ne- like necessarily match with the circumstances or the environment that you're in, you know? And so it's like, it's really, you know, I think it's really unfortunate, especially for so many of the business owners who were already struggling, you know, exactly. with de- dealing with, you know, the shutdown and then being able to be allowed to open up and only allowed to open up at 50% capacity, but still having to pay a hundred percent of their bills, exactly. you know, with 50% capacity. And then, you know, they're following all these new guidelines and now they're shutting back down again. So, you know, there's, there's so many things. And I think that this is the hardest part about situations like this, where this is where everyone's kind of true opinions start to come out, you know, and you really start <laughs> yeah. to see there's like set there starts to become a divide, even within your own, the people that you associate with, right? Like there's so many people that are, you know, they, they want things to open up and there's other people that are like, we don't want anything to open up. And it's like, it's very, very hard. And the, the problem is, is that one of the things I, I talked about probably a couple of months ago was like, you know, not everyone is going to be infected, but everyone was going to be affected. And, you know, oh, we wow. can tell yeah. by what was going to happen because, you know, like with everything that goes on in society, you always have a certain group of people that wants it one way, another group of people that wants it the other way. And then they're constantly fighting back and forth but the problem is the everyday person ends up becoming that tennis ball that is getting kind of batted back and forth and that's the hard part because you don't ever know you know for all these other people that have businesses and have lives that require them to be able to sustain you know like most business owners which a lot of people don't know especially in the restaurant business you know they really only make money like one month out of the entire year you know and the second month is about paying payroll and so when you close it down for two months and those companies are essentially bankrupt, you know? And so it's kind of like, even after you have beaten whatever this thing is overall, it's infection, it's not infection, whatever it is, the result of it is things are being shut down. And on the other end of this is so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be losing everything that they've worked for. And for that, it's just even more sad. Yeah, that's man, you really have it down. That's like for the restaurant side, that's exactly what's happening. Um, I, I'm a chef here in Austin and I owned a food truck and catering business for years here. Um, I shut it down in 2019. Honestly, thank God. Last South right. by was my last event. So imagine if wow. I had still had it. Um <laughs> this year that's what i'm telling all my friends like oh my god i'm so glad i don't have boca anymore like i would be living the nightmare that y'all are living right like my friends are going through right now hemorrhaging just hemorrhaging hemorrhaging the biggest thing that and i agree you said it actually mentioned it was that you know there there were businesses struggling before this happened so you throw the pandemic in they're done they're they're done for and and restaurants already have a small Whatever margin. food business, the margin is so thin. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hairline thin. I mean, it's just nothing. Right. And right. yeah, even the best ones, you know, I've worked for 
great chefs who owned a magnificent rep, best of, right? Bet, winning all right. the best award, whatever. We are in the black, we call it. Like we're yeah. not even making money, yeah. right? We're yeah. not in the, or whatever, the red or black. Actually, I can't remember yeah. what it was, but always negative, never, right. never making money. Right. Even when you're right. packed every night, you're, it's you're, crazy. You're never, you're ne and you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I think it was uh, in May, I had gone to this restaurant. I don't really eat out that often anyways. I've been always trying to like kind of cook more at home anyways. But on this particular night, I had you know, a whole bunch of family over. And so we're going to go order some food. And so um, I was like, okay, well, I'll go put this order in um, and I'll go pick it up. There's like seven of us. So I put this order in at like, I don't know, probably like 2.45 or something like that. And they're saying, okay, the order will be ready at 5.30 or 6 o'clock it was. So I said, okay. So I get to this restaurant at 5.45, which is in any other circumstances, just more than enough time, right? Like to be able to go and pick up an order. But it took an hour for me just to get into the restaurant itself. Oh, then wow. when you get into the restaurant, I'm thinking I'm just going to march up to the register and pay for the food. Then you have these people are like, oh no, you have to, there's this whole other line that's in the lobby. And then as you're sitting there in the lobby for another hour and 15 minutes, you're hearing all the customers, everyone complaining. They're seeing their food there and they're like, why can't we just go and pick the food up and X, Y, and Z. And so finally it had been, I was waiting for this food for about two hours and 15 minutes, no exaggeration. And then when I finally got up to the counter to pay the, some of the food that I had originally ordered, they didn't have anymore. And so, oh you know, God. and so it's like, you're seeing, you know, and then people are up there and the they want the manager, the manager's not there you know, the owner, the owner's not there. And so you're just seeing this. And the problem with that was, I remember, I, I, I think I tweeted about it that night. And I, I was so sad because people, they, they're, you know, we get so emotional because you want the things that you want and you don't understand the business side of it. It's like, because of all of the new things and the regulations, it's like these restaurants are also having to um, open up at half of their uh, wait staff capacity. So usually they would have three staff or three chefs. Now they have one. Now they only have one sous chef. Now they only have one yeah. this, one that. So it's like now they don't know how much food they're allowed to order. And I'm just like, there's no way that the average person is going to wait two and a half hours just to get some takeout food. You know, so it's really sad because like you were saying, when you already have restaurants, when they are booming, still barely holding on, right? Like opening up another line of credit and, you know, refinancing and, you know, having to like open up more restaurants because they're like, okay, if I just open up more, then maybe something else will happen. Exactly. When you, when you already have that happening, now you add this other thing. It's just, you're, you're really sad because, you know, so many of these mom and pops, which I know are a lot in Austin, especially, um, and especially like in downtown LA, you know, a lot of the restaurants that I used to dine at, you know, they were only, you know, maybe maximum 20 seats that were in their entire restaurant. And now they're being told those 20 seats have to go down to eight. You know, it, you, you know, it's, it's, it, you might as well just fold it up, right? Like yeah, you just absolutely. Fold the tent up and keep it pushing. So really interesting times that we're in and really, uh, really hard for a lot of businesses. And also, you know, for the entertainment industry, how it, you know, parlays to that, you know, it's really funny because, you know, I, I don't really necessarily, I'm like, oh, you know, the actors and stuff, they, no, the, the crew, it's the, the crew and all of these other people who this is what their entire jobs are all the time. If they go from one set to another, most actors, depending on what level they're on, they can go and be on a show and then they essentially can go and take a vacation, you know, for yeah. three or four months. But the most of the crew people and production staff, 
whose entire livelihoods revolve around production and even background actors, they don't have anything. Right. And so it's, that's the other part that's really, really sad because you're seeing all of these jobs that we don't really, you know, most people don't really think about being affected by this. And it's really, really hard because when you have other people that are like, well, you know, I don't want people to not be able to support their families and provide for their families. But then you say that, and then they're just like, oh, so you don't care about people getting infected with the virus. So it's like, and if you were playing game theory, this is what you would call the prisoner's choice, where it's like, if you <laughs> yeah. have an opinion, right? Like you're damned if you have this opinion, you're damned if you had the other opinion. So, you know, most people just kind of just put a sock in their mouth and don't say anything. Um, so it's just, it's a really interesting time, you know, but you know, I think it's, it's a necessary to have these types of conversations regardless, just to, because I think it's necessary for other people to know that, you know, there are other people in different places that think like they're thinking that understand the things that they're going through as well. Um, it's just unfortunate us as kind of being that tennis ball, being kind of hit back and forth for the entertainment of people in office oftentimes uh, is kind of uh, really, really sad. Yeah, you're right. You're right, man. And and that's that's why this whole sort of let's let's reopen and let's close again. Let's reopen. It's you, you were just pulling people from every which way. But another yeah. great point that you made earlier was we're still requiring people to pay 100% of everything, your rent, right. your bills, your right. whatever it may be, you're right. still required to pay everything. But we're telling you, you can't open or you can't do it this way or close down now or there's no help <laughs> right. like, at the like, same like, time, right? It's ridiculous. There's, cl- there's clear like it. And that's the thing that it's always frustrated me with things like this. It's like and people get we're you know, we're when. I always try to do the best that I can to pull out of things emotionally because I feel like when you get emotional about things, you are more easily manipulated with, That's you know, true. with information. And then yeah. also, especially here in America, we have this mindset of we always want to be on a team, right? We're so tribalistic about everything. And so the moment that somebody has a difference of opinion, you automatically attack them. And it's like, if, if we just pull back from some of this and look at what it is that is going to happen, once you get past whatever this invisible enemy, if you will, is, there's not going to be anything left, right? Like, there's like, what's going to be there? You know, so it's like, there's so many of these things where, like you're saying, it's like, you're, you're being asked to pay for 100% of, of all of the, the staff and the bills and the leases and your rent and your mortgage and all these other things with no real relief on the other hand, but then you can't actually operate. Um, yeah. So, this is really, and then because of all this, of course, like with everything that happens, they are, you know, really, really excited to offer you an opportunity to get into more debt, which, you know, is yeah. oftentimes every, you know, which is every society's downfall overall, because it's just like, great, we'll just get you in more debt. And then some people get excited about that because you're just like, oh, we have some money. And it's like, well, that, that money's not free. It comes from someplace. And at yeah. some point it's going to have to be paid back at a price um, that is going to be much higher than what it was lent out to you at. So, you know, it's really kind of a, an interesting time to really kind of sit back and kind of look at this landscape. Um, and then also to kind of like be in the midst of like either promoting shows and all these other things, because you're also like, you don't want to feel like you're tone deaf to what's going on in society sure. as well, where you're just like, well, I know that everyone's kind of losing everything. However, it's like, it's really, uh, it's really an interesting thing. So the, you know, the best way that you can do it is like, you know, you try to offer, you know, some type of relief in any way that you can, but also, you know, you have to be very, very realistic and just understand like the time that we're actually in 
and play to that, you know, like, and that's, sure. that's reality. Cause I think people need more people that are going to be real, not giving you sugar to your ears and just be like, Hey, let's call it for what it is. So we can actually have real conversations about things. If we actually want to see anything progress, we have to have people that are actually wanting to have strong opinions, stand by those opinions, but then have those opinions back by real things other than just because it makes me feel good. Yeah, that, that's a great point because true change won't come, right? Otherwise, it just becomes flavor of the week, if you will, and it's yeah. gone. You know, right. that, that's my biggest concern right now. I mean, the pandemic, it, in a lot of ways, it has brought sunlight on mm. a lot of issues in America that we thought mm. we were the greatest country, you know, ever. Right. And we're, we're America's so awesome. America, America, right. America. Okay, okay, let's, let's stop here for a second. Maybe we're not so awesome. Look at how easily our entire infrastructure collapsed right. when, when we were told about this pandemic and we just have to right. stay home for a couple weeks. People couldn't even stay home for a couple weeks. Our economy right. was going to crash. I don't think right. we're in the best position we are. So in a lot of ways, yeah. hopefully, you know, these problems being bought, brought to light, we make some efforts to change them. I mean, for instance, yeah. you know, Black Lives Matter movement, right? you know, right now, like these things are happening right now. If we don't actually make a change, it will move on and nothing yeah. will happen. I hate it's, that. You know, I, I just a, don't want to see that happen. It's a, you know, it's a really, um, it's a, it's a great point. You know, um, I have always been, you know, the biggest thing for me, especially when it comes to, um, you know, our, our young Kings and Queens, princes and princesses that are kind of roaming around this country. Um, and I say roaming around because, you know, we've, I'm very big on history, just a, a huge history buff. And one of the biggest things, like um, like in scripture, um, you know, King Solomon says that there's nothing new under the sun. And that means that history always repeats itself. There is, no, there is nothing that has happened today that didn't happen before. And yeah. oftentimes, one of the things that happens is, is that when you don't understand your history, you don't understand what you came from, you easily fall into the same types of things over and over again. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that has happened, especially within the uh, community of African-Americans, if you will, um, is that so much of our history in America has been completely stripped away from us. And that's really, really difficult for a lot of people to hear. And I know there's a lot of people that will, you know, that, you know, they hear me, you know, they hear me talk. And again, like we're saying, it's like, you know, America is the greatest country in the world and it's this and all men are created equal. And it's like, okay, that's a fun narrative. It's a fun ruha ruha thing to say until you decide to actually get proximate <laughs> And then I have to, I'm kind of the person that's like, okay, well, let's have that conversation. When you're talking about somebody like a Thomas Jefferson, who was writing the Declaration of Independence and saying that all men are created equal, this is also the person that as he was writing and had over 300 slaves, who was also writing within those same things in the 13th Amendment that blacks were three-fifths a human. So when we're talking about this whole banner that all men are created equal, you, you it wasn't written because you were talking about people of color and that's just the reality you know that's just that's the reality and it's hard you know in 2020 for people to kind of have these types of conversations but see my thing is even with that is you know i'm the type of person that if in 2020 if i have to take to the streets and tell people that my life matters in 2020 we, we there's we have nowhere to go Right. Like yeah. in 2020, if I have to march up and down and say, my, because there has to be, we have to go somewhere with it. We have to understand what is it that we're trying to accomplish with that. 
because my thing is is that I don't then become important or I don't I don't then have need or necessity just because somebody else tells me or acknowledges the fact that I exist as a human. And oftentimes because of our culture, because of what we've been given, and a lot of these things people can read in the Willie Lynch letters because this talked about how you break a slave's mentality, not physically, but how you do it mentally. And the way that you do it is you pawn them off against one another. You pawn the old black man against the young black man, the young black man against the, the old, and the light-skinned black against the, the, the dark-skinned black. And this is a process that has happened over 300 years. And he talked about this in 1712, because when we were brought here in the transatlantic slave trade in 1619 in uh, Jamestown, Virginia, we were rising up constantly from 1619 to 1712, just tearing people up. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, we got to bring this guy in who's doing his thing in the West Indies. And we got to figure out what in the world do we do to keep these slaves together. And so he created Willie Lynch letters where he comes over and he goes, this is how you break them. And one of the things that we're seeing uh, in society is the same things that he talked about in 1712 that he said would work if implemented correctly for 300 years, if not thousands of years. And wow. so what we're seeing now is we're not, we have number one, we have such a lack of leadership. When I say leadership, it's a leadership to actually lead people in a direction that we're actually supposed to be going. You know, we have been marching up and down these streets for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's gotten in no one nowhere, you know? And, it, and again, I say that and it doesn't make people feel good because it's like, well, denim. It's like, why aren't you supporting this? Because I'm about doing things that are productive. I'm about doing things that actually move something forward. You know, we have a lot of people in office who have been in office for their entire careers for 30, 40 years and have never written a piece of legislation to help further the cause of the African-American community. But instead, they pander and they give lip service. And then they elevate certain people in the, in the community, give them tokens and toys and X, Y, and Z, and kind of dangle them to be like, see, well, if everybody else in the community would just pull themselves up by their bootstraps, well, then they can have this. And it's like, well, it doesn't work like that. It's I very, hate that bootstrap hard. thing. I, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I kills me when I hate somebody it, says, you that. know, it's just, it's just, it's an exhausting thing. And what happens is it's like, it's not me as a person of color crying and lamenting, but it's me saying, you have to understand the systems in which people were under. I have so many people that go, well, you know, my great, great grandfather, you know, they had farms and you know, they were building businesses. And I, and I said, but who worked those farms? Who was, who was the one that was manning those railroads? Who was doing all of those things? It was, yes, your great-great-grandfather that maybe um, had the finances to do that, but they weren't the ones in the fields doing all of those things. You know? And so what happens is, is that even up until the 60s, and the 70s, when you weren't even allowed, even if you had money, right? we had businesses before. It was called Tulsa. We had 600 businesses, yeah. and they were firebombed. Right? We had hospitals and dentist offices. We had 600 businesses, and this is just in Tulsa alone, and it was firebombed. But then out of that then comes, we'll see, I mean, look at them. They just don't, they can't build anything. They don't have anything. It's like, well, we have to stop with these kind of arguments that, oh, well, every single time, you know, we see a, the community acting out in a certain way that it's like, well, it's because they don't have anything and this is what they're, that this is what they always do. And it's like, no, what they've always tried to do is build, but they never get an opportunity. Now you've broken their mentality so much that they have no idea even what they're running around asking for. Equal rights, you're not going to get equal rights. The country wasn't built for you to have equal rights. So you have to come at it from a different point of view. And so then when you sit there and you go, well, what was our, what was our system of learning? Well, our system of learning when I was growing up was my history started in 1619 in chains. 
And then the only people that we had to look up to that were quote unquote people that would be respected in society was somebody like a Martin Luther King, if you will, and the outlier, which is a Malcolm X. The problem with that was that, okay, well, if you wanted to be like those people, those people also got assassinated. So you really have this, again, this mental and emotional psyche in the community that goes, okay, well, if we weren't slaves and we weren't just picking cotton and doing all that, then when we decided to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and become something, we were also assassinated. So then it's like, so then what are we allowed to become? What are we allowed to be here? You know, and so these are these types of things that are happening now. And now what we're seeing is this, this melting pot of all of these people who don't really understand what their history is, doesn't understand that before this, we were kings and queens and scientists and mathematicians and all, everything. We, we did all of it, but we don't know that. And when you don't know what you came from, you can't know where you're going. And that's what we're seeing now with so many of us that are kind of roaming around looking for some type of leadership instead of just, okay, let's you know put some signs up and let's put a banner up and let's storm the streets. And they're gonna let you do that. Just like they're gonna let you burn down your own cities because the very people that you're out there marching that are there to oppress you are now gonna be this very same people who you're going to be begging to come in and help you because you've now burned down the things that are within your own community. So it's just, it's really, really sad. And like I said, it kind of goes back to this game theory of, you know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. And this is what happens when you have this leadership that's not really there necessarily to lead, but they're to pander and they're to also to line their pocket, which then we kind of become the, an exploitation tool, which is no different than what it was back in slave times. It's just, that's no longer sexy to say. Instead, we have to just put it in a different way. And that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. I mean, where, where do you see, I mean, what, what can people do, right? What, what can people do then uh, day to day? Just, I mean, even with the pandemic happening, right? They might even be pulling some of these protests down. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, where do you think the change actually is? I honestly, I think that so much of it, I think one of the, the hardest things that we have to do, I think is that we, we have to stop like trying to find uh, a man, you're right? Like we're always so desperate to find something here to hold on to. Like this yeah. will be the person that we're going to latch ourselves onto and they'll carry us to where we need to go. And I think that that's a wrong mentality. I think that, you know, the, the hardest thing, especially in our own community is that we often have this crabs in a pot mentality because the we've been when you're given very little, you're so scared to lose whatever it is that you've been given. And then when other people also want whatever it is that you may have, you're scared to then give to them because you're like, well, if you take what I have, then I'm going to go back down with you. And again, this is the this is the mindset. So for me personally, you know, one of the things like I'm 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 always into scripture. I'm always I'm very very big. I'm, most of the time, if I'm not working on my craft and doing the things, I'm reading scripture. And that's one of the biggest things I think that we have to then build the community from the inside out instead of from the outside in, where we're always kind of saying, well, as long as we, when we get this, then we'll do something else. And I think one of the biggest issues is that if we're not going to invest in ourselves and invest in our own communities as well, you can't ever have anything because you're always going to be dependent on a system. And I think so much, especially like it was, it was talked about in scriptures back in the day, we were farming and we had our businesses and we were trading within our communities and we were doing all these things. And it was a thriving community. It was a thriving environment. And this is no different than our native brother. And I say native because it's a byword, native brothers and sisters before, you know, in the, in the you know, 1400s when they came over here. And I hate this narrative that so many people like, 
well, good thing they came over here and just destroyed everything because they were just over here ripping everyone's heads off. And it was like, no, that actually was not the case. In every society, there are, you know, tribes that fight against one another. But this whole notion that it was just like the Native American community just laid bloodshed everywhere. It was like, no, it didn't Crazy. work like that. But again, it's this false narrative of history. So for me, I think that the only way that you can really do that is you have to do it through education first. And you have to teach these young kings and queens where they came from first and foremost, because once you know where you came from, then all of a sudden you have a greater sense of self, a greater sense of, connect, uh, of connectivity to not only your ancestors, but your lineage. And so much of us, like so many people that I know here that are of different races, they can say, you know, well, you know, when we didn't like something, we had the Revolutionary War, we had this, and Thomas Jefferson ran and did this. People in the African-American community don't have that. You know, we don't, you know, you don't have those things where you can sit back and go, this is, this was our, you know, our giant defining moment here in America. You know what I mean? And so it, when you don't have that type of thing, there's nothing in your DNA that fires up that says, you know what, let me really try to do something. And what we have to do is we also have to have more people that are in these type of leadership positions, whether you're talking about athletes or so-called celebrities, whatever it is that you say, that actually kind of come out and really want to teach first. Education first. I think that we get so caught up in consuming. You know, we're such a consumerism society. So many people, and we saw this during the quarantine, people got their stimulus checks the moment things opened up, they ran to malls to buy things, right? Because we, it's just, it's an indoctrination for us to always consume. We are, the, the African-American community here is a trillion dollar business. If we put those trillions of dollars that we spent in consuming things and actually put it to build, you can then start to do things. But again, you have to kind of get back to the spiritual self first and then kind of build outwards. And that's a long process. And again, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that want to do that because it's not fun. It's not sexy. You can't really put it on a poster or put it on a commercial. You know what I mean? Like it's something that it yeah. really takes true leadership um, to do. But to me, that's the only way I can really see anything really trying to turn around in the positive. Otherwise, I feel like history is always going to be repeating itself because we've been doing the same thing. Or, you know, we have people walking with signs. Our ancestors were doing the same things in the 1600s, 1700s when they were tired of getting lynched. We were doing the same thing. And here we are again. It's just we have a much more colorful version of it. And because more people have access to technology, it's just more easily accessible for people to kind of chime in on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point, too. So do you think... Do you, so do you think the protests are working in some in some form or fashion? I, I, I don't I mean, I don't know. I think um, for me, I, it's something where I think that everybody has their way that they want to be heard. Um, I just I think for me, I oftentimes I'm going, you know, the people that you're protesting, um, the, the people that you're that you are, I guess, protesting against, if you will. I sit there and I go, but these are the very same people that have been in office for 40 years for 30 years that are now saying that wait, like you just realized that people of color have not been treated equally in the country. Like you just realized this in 2020. And so I have a really, really hard time kind of like hitching my wagon to that um, sure. because I'm sitting there and I'm going, it just seems like a whole bunch of lip service. It's like you had all these people who have been in positions to write legislations, to put people in these different positions and actually activate true leadership and now we're just kind of pretending in 2020, like, oh, we hear you. Well, what, like, I mean, what did it take? Like, you know, and I think the reason why it's the way that it is right now is because the COVID, because of COVID happening, 
it shut down a lot of the entertainment. There's no sports, right? Like this would be the time where the NBA finals would be going on and, yeah. you know, training camps and season. And so what happens is, is that because there's not all these outside distractions, this kind of becomes the, the, the nucleus of a lot of things. Um, but the problem that I have is so many of these people that are now saying, we hear you, we hear you, have been the same people that have said those same things for decades and decades and haven't done anything. And because we're a society that has such a short attention span, like we yeah. kind of started this conversation, the news cycle just goes, care about this thing now. Now care about this thing. Okay, back to this thing. Now back to that thing. So everyone is so easily kind of swayed on their yeah. emotional state that it just seems as though it's like, okay, well, the moment that a new thing arises, we'll now care about that. So it always just kind of, to me, feels like you're pandering. And I don't want pandering. I want action. I want things to actually happen. I would rather you not say anything and just come out and say, here's what we're doing. This is what it looks like. This is how it's going to help. Here's all, you know, these with the trillions and trillions of dollars that are just being printed out of nothing. How much of that money is going into all of these disenfranchised communities that have been disenfranchised for a reason, right? And, and then instead of that, you're getting more government funding off of the disenfranchisement of these same communities. So I'm sitting there going, if you really wanted to, you're getting trillions and trillions of dollars. You could pump that in right now if you wanted to. But instead, yeah. you're like, oh, no, go ahead and make signs and run up and down. It feels more like you're being used as a political tool and as a political weapon, more so than actually being seen as a human being, which, again, to me, falls on the exploitation of us yet again. But that's, again, it's not a very popular thing because a lot of people go, I don't want to hear that because it makes you feel like there's no hope. I'm just saying I think that when you're putting it in other people and especially when you're putting it in government, the same government that has kind of treated you unequally since you've been here, you're sure. now thinking that all of a sudden they're now going to flip a switch and go, you're right. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> we've had the time of 16 now. We've had 401 years. Now we're going to do something. It's yeah. like, I mean, yes, yeah, come on. You know, but that's just my opinion. Everyone doesn't think like, you know, I'm not in a cult. I don't care if people agree with me or not. It just, I say what it is. And I try to deliver the truth to the best that I believe it to be. Um, and I just see, you know, I've seen this happen before and I've seen nothing happen out of it. It just makes people feel good. But the feel good doesn't often transfer into actually putting anything into real motion to any type of actionable items. I mean, that's a great point, man. It's like basically the, the husband who beats his wife and then says, I love you. Yeah. What can I do? What can I do for you afterwards? Right. right. I mean, it's basically it. Like, you're right. You know, How can you have, trust have, the have, same? Have, yeah. Have a rose. You know, here, here, take. Yeah. It's a, it's a massive, it's a massive Stockholm syndrome mixed in with cognitive dissonance. And that's the hard part. You know, it's a really hard part because we're talking about real lives and real people yeah. and, you know, and people who don't really have not had the opportunity. And there's been so many people that are like, you know, well, you know, I've never been a racist and I'm not this. And it's just like, okay, you know, the, the way that I like into a lot of this is like, you know, if your house is burning down in your neighborhood, right, and you call the fire department and they're trying to put the fire out, people don't need to run out of their house and be like, but my house also matters. It's like, we totally. understand that. And see, for me, this isn't a shining endorsement because I don't agree with a lot of the things that are in all these different communities with the, these different organizations because I would go about them in a different way. Um, but I think that what happens is, is you have so many people that are in this time with COVID who are also losing everything that they also want their voices to also be heard. And this is why I say that it just feels like this weapon that's constantly being used because now you have a people 
that really haven't felt like they've had anything since they've been here. And now you're having for the first time, a lot of people who are kind of used to having things in a certain way that are now also losing everything. And so now you're also getting that new pocket. And now you're kind of seeing this kind of wave where you kind of seeing them kind of crossing the mountain peak together. And I think that's a different place in history that we've never been, been together um, with in this country before. Yeah, that's a, that's very insightful. Um, I I never thought about it that way, but you're, you're right. Um, Yeah. And that is interesting. I, I think more than anything, right? Like maybe, you know, okay, let's say the protests keep going and this and that. And, and like you said, does that really make change? What does it do? It definitely gets people's, it puts the topic in front of people's, you know, eyes and this and that. But the real change comes from leadership. You know, right. people, people in places of leadership who can make actual change. Like right. you said, you don't want to hear much from them. But what you would like to hear is what they're going to do. Like, right. you don't need the opinion and all this stuff and all the right. hoo-ha-ha and hashtags and whatever you want to do. Right. They, they just come out and say, nope, I run this company and this is what we're going to do to make this, a difference. This, this, is, this is how That's we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what it does is it, it really puts people's feet to the fire. It really, exactly. you know, I don't need people. I don't need you to tell me my life matters. I know that my sure. life matters. Right. Like, I, what is that? Gonna, like, what is that? Gonna, like, what is that going to do? You know what I mean? Like, once yeah. we get past that emotional thing, what is it that we're actually doing? You know, yes. and that's the real thing. And so you're, you're getting all these companies that, you know, they post, you know, they're, they're posting all their signs on the outside. And it's again, that's great business. And look, look, this is the reality of it. When you understand the bit, what business is, you understand that great businesses have to pivot with the times. Right, like businesses cannot stay the same with the same models. And so now when you're sitting there and you're going, well, now here are all these businesses that are now gonna post all these signs on the outside of their businesses. It's like, that's great for their business also. Because exactly, yeah, like, great hey, point. And spend money with my business, but it's like, but how much of that money that we're going to be spending is going to be flooding back into the very community that you're saying you care about so much? You know, but see, these Great are point. those types of things where I sit there and I go, I don't care about the emotions. Like, I'm like, this is what I say. And the one thing I always laugh about with scripture is it's like the most high doesn't care about your opinion. It's like, it is what it is. Like I said, yeah. he said what he said. And you, if you have a problem, take it up with him. I think of it things like a lot like that, where it's just like, I don't care about your emotional state. I care about what's actually happening. And I understand what a bit, what good business is and how to run good business. And a good business would if they were smart in a pandemic when they're already not functioning really well. I would also say, let's go ahead and throw some signs up. Let's also go ahead and get on our Twitter handle and you know get with this hashtag. Because then at least if anything, we have our little footprint that can go be looked back on in history to say that we were part of the cause and we did this. But that also keeps your revenue coming in as well. So for me, I'm like, look, if you're not actually putting money and helping kind of like build these different communities. And again, I'm very big with the education first. Our kings and queens need to have education. We need to have the right education. So much of our education system is just um, babysitting hour where you're not learning anything. You're just kind of sitting there learning the very crux of everything. You don't really come out of it knowing about your history, knowing about why you should care about your history and knowing what it is that you're supposed to be doing and what your purpose and place is in America in general. Right. And I think that's the hard part is because so much of it is like, unless you're an athlete or unless you're a celebrity or unless you're this, however, essentially you're being told that you don't really have a use. And I think yeah. that's the part that's really, really hard because that's the one part where we, where nobody else aside from a certain community 
has had that type of education because everybody else is like, well, no, you start businesses and you do this and you open the restaurants, but you don't have all these shiny examples that are at the forefront that are doing that. And then for those other people that have platforms, I also sit there and I go, we don't, I don't need like people I used to ask all the time, well, how come you're not posting this out? Because I'm about talking about it. We need to have education because education then puts people in a position to where you sit there and you go, I don't want to hear what you have to say about it. I don't care about your panel that you're going to have and your new, you know, you know, come to my new Zoom meeting. You know, we're going to have six pundits. They're all going to talk about how to move <laughs> things forward. Like we, we know how to move things forward. It's very, very simple. Like, like, you know, complex situations don't always have complex answers. It's very, very simple, right? If you're in, you get education, education with leadership in the education that teaches us about our history, teaches us the fact that you can be much more than just an athlete or a celebrity to mean something more. And then also help build these businesses, help build these communities, start making their environment something that makes them feel as though they want to do something more. Stop sitting there and having people, especially in California, the one of the biggest things that's always been my issue is, you know, with the public school system, depending on what side of the street you live on, decides on what school you're allowed to go to. Even if a parent is willing to drive 30, 40, 50 miles out of the way to get their child a, good, a better education, they're being told, no, you can't. But then these are the very same people that also will sit there and tell me how much they care about our youth all day. These are those types of things that I as personally as a man sit there and I go, to me, that's more important because I look at your fruit and the, the fruit that it bears. I don't care about the tree, you know, and if I know that the tree was rooted in bad soil, I don't need to take a bite of the fruit to know that the fruit is also going to be poisoned. I don't care about how good it looks. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great point. Um, what do you think about, like, do you really think that things are going to change in Hollywood for more diversity? You know, um, you know, I mean, I, I for real, think, though, like for real, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's a, I think that's a hard I think that's a hard thing. I think that, you know, I, I always I think that the thing is for me and I'll answer this as, as honest as I possibly can transparent as I can. I think the hard part with that is what you see is being diverse, right? Like, I think that that's the thing. Are you talking about, are you getting diverse stories? Because I think oftentimes what stories are you being allowed to, you know, to tell, you know what I mean? I think that that's oftentimes a great point. So, many, so many things are being, are done in a vacuum where it's like, okay, well, here are the stories that you're allowed to talk about. Here are the things that we're allowed to promote. Here are the things that, and I think that that's the hard part. And then you have the other side of it when you're talking about, okay, well, di diversity in what? In a, in a director's aspect, in a production? I mean, the reality of it is this. You're never going to own the production company. You're never going to own the big corporations, right? Like, you're never going to, like, those, the people that are at the top of those, they're never going to step, they're not going to step down, right? And yeah. they're just like, <laughs> right? So it's like, you know, so I think that that's the, the hard part. And again, I, I'm the type of person that's like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the unfettered answers the way that it's just like, this is real. Like this is the reality of it. And so I think that when you're talking about diversity in Hollywood, you have to then discuss what you're actually talking about when you're saying you want something that is diverse. Are you saying that you want more diversified stories? Are you saying that you want a more diversified atmosphere when you walk on a set? Are you, do you are you saying that you think that there also should be, you know, people of color that are, you know, ACs and, you know, grips and all these other things, because there's a lot of us out there that have those opportunities that want that. But again, we know a lot of these things can be very clubby and very clicky. And oftentimes it's about who you know, not what you know. 
And that's yeah. the other hard part about it. So I think that what we're, you're really kind of up against these things where, you know, you, you have to, you have to have people that are willing to have these types of conversations and are willing to kind of look past their own, maybe emotional biases and things. Because for me, it's like, I don't want, I don't need anybody to come and bow down to me and rip, take like, pardon me of all my things. First of all, I'm not the most high. I, that's not, you don't answer to me. Like, that's not how it is. I'm a, I'm a man that's just trying to lead the best life as a servant as I can. And when I, my thing is like, I just want to be able to create stories and stories that are impactful and stories that mean something. And so I think that for me, when I look at what I would hope Hollywood would be going to when they're talking about wanting a more diversified thing, it's not necessarily even more diversified people of color in these different positions, but more diversification of stories you know, more diversification where we can really talk about our history and really digging into things so that we can also have a landscape, you know, a wide range of things that we can also have our young kings and queens looking at and being able to see and, and having the representation of them, you know, and I think that instead of them sitting there looking at all these different things and going, oh, well, I can never be that because the hard part is, is that society, especially with entertainment, you know, there's the entertainment is blurred with reality so much to where just like sports where people don't realize that it's not real. And so, so much of their emotional policies and politics and things often like coincide with what they watch on television, you know, in, in their entertainment oftentimes. And that's really kind of difficult as well because that's, you know, we're consumers again. And so I think that when you're raising this next generation, and you also have them plugged into to television and film and all these other things, it's important for them to also see the representation of them in more diversified stories also. You know? And so I think that when you're talking about it, there's so many things that we have to identify where it has to be more than, oh, we're just going to put another talking head in this position. But talking yeah. is not going to do anything. You know? And yeah. so, again, I think this will be a thing where we're going to – we'll see what the fruit bears. But, you know – you kind of, you have to sit back and you have to say like, you, you want to be optimistic about the things and you just want to do the best that you can. And so for me personally, I've always been big about like control what you can control, you know? And I think that yeah. I try to use, you know, my platform and being able to have great conversations like I'm having with you today. Um, but also being able to sit there and go like, you know, I feel a, uh, a necessity. It's a blessing. I've been blessed by the most high with so many things and so many opportunities and so it's like, I have to also then use this platform to also try to pour in to this next generation, but then to also the other people that oftentimes think like me, but are kind of scared to say certain things and to do this, but then to also say like, look, you, what, you, what you think about is important. You can't say that, oh, well, I support you until I no longer agree with anything that you say. It's like, there's yeah. always this juxtaposition in our society where it's like, oh yeah, I'm all for you as long as you agree with everything that I'm saying. And that's the hard part because then it's like, well, no, you don't really want diversity. You want somebody else that kind of, that is a different hue, a different shade of you to then just agree with what it is that you're saying. And I in see, that yeah. again, just kind of is the lip service. So I think what it is, is like time will tell. I think when more people kind of come out of their shell, if you will, and really just say like, look, it is what it is. You can either take it for what it is. Or you cannot take it for what it is. It's not really up to me. It's what my opinion is. I'm not in the cult. If you disagree with me, you disagree with me. And great. But at least I want to have a conversation about it. At least I want to have a dialogue instead of just saying, oh, you hurt my feelings or you're this or you're that. All of these in my head, very emotional, lazy things 
that society has kind of indoctrinated us and got us to fall into to keep us from actually having conversations with one another. And when you're not having conversations, you're having what we've been promoting for hundreds and hundreds of years, which is a completely different mindset, especially if we're doing it under the guise of wanting to move things forward. So, you know, I just try to do the best that I can to try to have these conversations say and hope that more people, you know, also want to have these types of conversations, not necessarily having to say, oh, agree with me, but also saying, well, at least if we're having a conversation, at least I know that we can go somewhere, you know, but if we're just yeah. going to say, well, you hurt my feelings, well, then, I mean, where are we going to go? It's all going to be the same anyways. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can't, um, you, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. It's that right. simple. That's a saying here in Texas. Um, and, yeah. and, and that just means, you know, if you disagree with, I mean, not just disagreeing, but if you want to try to connect with somebody, right? Like not letting it get emotional uh, is absolutely the way to go. Just, um, you, just you pull out of it a little bit, you know? Just yeah, yeah. Pull out of it. Yeah. And, and it's, about humbling, it's about humbling ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We don't know everything, you know, and we're always learning and we should always be learning. My mind and my spirit and my spirit is always under construction. But it's like you also have to be putting those things like the brain is also a muscle. And so if you're not working out your critical thinking, your brain atrophies just like your muscles atrophy when you don't work it out. And so That's then any time that a new opinion or a new yeah. ideology is introduced to you, you're like, you can't do it just like a person would when they're like lifting weights for the first time in their life. Sure. And they're just like, I can't lift it. And it's like, but we have to start working those muscles out. So for me, my overall thing is like, we have to start getting back to critical thinking and actually starting to work those muscles out again. I think that when we start to do that, then I think that we can start to start to inch this thing a little bit forward. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, you made another great point about the stories about that. That's really where the change needs to happen is the stories that get told, because that's a domino effect or a ripple effect yeah. from there of the yeah. diversity that will happen. You know, my, my yeah. thing was what, when I was a kid, um, I was born in 79. So I really grew up on 80 movies. Um, right. And my, my mom is from uh, Mexico City. And my father is from St. Louis, Missouri. So okay. different ends of the spectrum yeah. I grew, grew up with in my house. Um, and we always went to Mexico as a kid. I mean, I still go um, all the time. Mm -hmm. But the thing I noticed when I was a kid is I'd watch movies is I'd never felt that side of my life be represented on TV, movies, mm -hmm. music, mm -hmm. you know, you name it. If, if I saw a Mexican on film or whatever, it was the mm -hmm. typical trope of, He's mm -hmm. mowing the lawn. He's, right. you know, he's the landscaper. He's the driver. He's, he's right. a funny sidekick. Something's to Cheech and right. Chong, right? Like that's, right. that's like, that's yeah. it. So that, that yeah. when I say diversity, like that's what I want to see more of is better stories. Like you're saying, because yeah, you don't want that. You don't, you're, you get tired of being sick a character. Of it. Yeah. I'm right? sick like, of it. Get, I'm sick of seeing it, Mexicans it, like it, that. It, yeah. It's, a, it's exhausting, you know, and one of the things that, you know, uh, so many, which oftentimes people don't really say, but the one of the things is kind of like, you know, they, you steal the land from the Native Americans, brought the African Americans over here to build it. And then you have the Hispanics or the Mexicans here to keep it clean, right? Like yeah. this is kind of this cycle, you know, yeah. like it's just, it's, just, it's just, and it's sad. And this is the thing, like all the things that I'm saying, I say it so passively almost in a way, but it's like, but it's real. Like this is a real reality. And that's like what, what, you're, what you're saying is, I mean, I grew up and I would, you know, and I even look back now and when people ask me like, oh, what films did you grow up watching all these other things? And it was like all the films I grew up watching had was never anybody that looked like me. It was just like, it was just all, it was all these other people that were always doing the cool stuff. 
You know yeah. what I mean? And we were, you know, you're the drivers or you're the one that you can't hardly talk. And, you know, these are things. And the problem with this, and again, this is exactly what I'm saying is about understanding your history, especially if you understand how interwoven the Mexican community and the black community are. The, and again, I say all these because they're all bywords of one another. We were never called African-Americans. That was like based in the 70s. Before that, we weren't even called that. So it's like they're just constantly a new byword for us. But for this conversation, there's so much intertwined between the Native American community, the Mexican community, and the African American community. The biggest thing that people don't really understand is that we're all very intertwined because we also all came over here on ships. We just got dropped off at different places at different times. And yeah. so, so much of the, so much of our history, so much of our things has been completely wiped away to where you're like, well, we don't, we only know Mexicans is doing one thing. We only see with steam black people do one thing, and your own people. You you have your own people that also only believe that. And yes, like, for instance, that's frustrating, you know, right? It's the it's your it's the indoctrination that you have been you've grown up and been force fed since birth, and that's the hard part because you when you get somebody that's like I like I was always that kid that always asked like why for everything why 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 until they would get frustrated like because that's just the way it is I'm like but why. <laughs> Because it's like, it can never just be, that's just the way that it is. It yeah. does not affect somebody, right? And in every situation, somebody, no matter what happens, somebody benefits from it. No matter how horrible it is, somebody wins. And there, that's the way that society is built, is that there's always winners and losers. And I think one of the hardest things is that until you get more people that are willing to take a different leadership role and say, look, we're going to tell these brand of stories. This is what we're going to talk about. I mean, we're not going to just talk about how we're over here in 1619 and this is what's saving. And here's my thing. If you want to talk about that, let's actually fully talk about it. You know, we have this whole mindset of, you know, where it kind of gets to where they have like kind of the, you know, the, the yes of Massa and all these other things that this character that happened that everyone used to make fun of, but they don't understand that that was happened through inbreeding that they were forced upon where they used to put children they used to put bags on children's heads the, the men or the little boys they used to put a bag over their head and make them go in and sleep with their mom to then breed other slaves and that is where the inbreeding came oh, and that's where the Jesus. slow the the the, the 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 mental slowness came from but sure. then when you characterize it and make it another joke people then think oh see you know those black people see, if we didn't put them in slavery this is what they would all be and it's like no that's not what happened. What actually happened was moms were tied up. They were, they were, they had breeding farms, bucking farms, all these other things where they talk. And this is all, this, wow. and this is what's real about it. And this, see, this is what I say about in order to break through the cognitive dissonance, in order to break through this kind of veneer of things, you have to really come in with history. And that history yeah. has to cut. And it's got to cut hard because you have to understand that so many of the things that you have grown up to learn the things that the biases that you have created um, for these different cultures and these different races, they're all mostly a lie. Like it's all pretty much not true at all. There's Absolutely. a whole bunch of things where it's like, oh, well, you know, the, the black people, they came over here and they didn't know anything. And it's like, well, if we also took the 350 plus million English speaking Americans and took them to Malawi, Africa and said, hey, go speak to Chewa and do it right now would you not also be made fun of because you're speaking a completely different language and a completely different tongue? This is no different than what was going on in 1619, right? Like, so it's like, there's so much of these things where through so much of our history in our history books and oftentimes on our television and film, 
you're always being brought up as this byword, almost as this thing where it's like, well, good thing that we enslaved you because if not, you would have just been killing each other. And it was like, well, that's not really the way that it was. And so one of the things that, like for me, that, that's a poster you see behind me, the zoo, that's a, the short film that myself and my team um, are, you know, come out with super, super excited about. And that talks about um, during World War II, how the, um, so during World War II, you had all the craziness that was going on, but also a lot of what was going on was in Africa. And during this time was the pillaging of Africa and all of these different countries that were getting ready to build their own countries off of the things that were going on in Africa. So for instance, you had King Leopold of Belgium who built his great, you know, castles and everything in Belgium. But what most people don't know is all of that was built from the rubber mines of Congo where 10 to 15 million men, women, and children were massacred because of the going in and taking from the rubber and going and selling it, the bikes and the tires and the X, Y, and Z. And see, these are some of the things that were happening. So one of the things that the zoo talks about is it talks about how all these different countries would come in and they were dying off. They were going in their land and they're like the heat's killing us and the diseases and the this and the climate, we can't figure it out. And so what they would do is they would take uh, blacks and they would put them in containers, if you will, and they would experiment on them. And so they would go and they would open up their wow. skin, put different diseases in glass and X, Jesus. Y, and Z, and sew them up and put them in water tanks and do it in the hopes that they would be able to break some type of genetic code and so that they could come in and colonize the thing fully because they were just failing over and over again. And so this is one of the things that happened. This was happening in World War II. The zoo is also a double entendre because also here in America, as well as the rest of the world, they actually created physical zoos where just like you would go to a you know to that los angeles zoo or whatever zoo you've been to see animals they took actual black people and threw them behind these cages and threw behind plexiglass and recreated some type of saharan environment and people would buy tickets and could go through and watch them exist and watch them live and if it was a mom who was nursing their baby they're just watching her do that and this is what was happening here in America up into the 50s. And they sold tens of millions of tickets to these zoos all across the world. You know, and so this is, again, becomes wow. this thing to where, you know, there's so much of it that when you start to talk about these things, people like the easy way is like, well, you know, just forget about it. And it's like, but there's a certain group of people that you would never go to and tell them to forget about what they've gone through. Totally. Yet, when it's uncomfortable, but now when it's uncomfortable and when it no longer falls into your exceptionalism mindset, now all of a sudden you're like, uh, you know, bridge too far, can't do it. It's like, it doesn't matter if you stick your head in the sand, the truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. And so this is part of the history. So the creating of the zoo, it was also a way to be able to say, here's another part of our history, but this is, it's more than just talking about the experimentation. It's talking about the, if we didn't mean anything and if we didn't have value, we never would have had so much emphasis always put on us to keep us depressed all the time. If we weren't really more than just uh, animals, if we were really just animals, there would never be such an effort for hundreds and hundreds of years to constantly keep us suppressed and down and uneducated. And, un and see, people will hear this and they'll go, well, are you saying that all black people are uneducated? No. What I'm saying when I say uneducated means that there has been a lack of education of our history. People, our education and our history has been left from us, taken away from us. Just like you'll know in Mexico, you'll go to these different things and you're like, you're probably walking around, you're going, why doesn't anybody talk about this? 
this is amazing. Look at what they were doing. We were doing this and we were here and we built yeah. this structure and we built that exactly. structure and look at what they, no one's talking about this. And you usually will get the elders, right? That'll sit there and they go, yeah, we know. And there, there's a light that goes on in their eyes when they see uh, the younger one in their generation that who, whose genetic makeup fires up again when they go, dang, look at what we came from. We should be talking about this. And it's like, yeah. And they tried. And when we did talk about that, they beat it out of us, right? They hung us from trees and they did this. And to get everybody into this mindset where it's like, you don't talk about your history. You don't talk about these things. And so until I think we get back to those types of things, and that's what I hope to do with, with this story, along with many other stories that we're creating, is to help us kind of get to a place to where, because I understand that people love history or they love entertainment. I love history. And so this is a way that I try to meet people in the middle and go, we're going to give you something that's entertaining, but also something that's educational that we can also then on that back end of it, also have a further and deeper and much more enriching conversation about it. So for me, it's like, instead of just running around, I guess that's the way that I try to do the things that I try to do, which is like, you know, let's create, let's create, use it as the form of entertainment because that's what everyone really um, instantaneously doesn't really have any biases towards because everyone's willing to be entertained. And then on the back end of that, then we can actually have some type of hopeful, meaningful conversation. And then within that, getting our own people to just get up, you know, like it's really just about coming out of your slumber and really understanding that if we really want things, it starts with us first. We have to stop wanting somebody else to go and get it for us. We have to start doing it for ourselves. And that's what I hope to be able to do more of. But then that's also the beauty of being able to be on this type of platform that also reaches other people that they also go, you know what? There's something about that that sounds kind of right. Let's actually start doing that instead of just constantly let's post the hashtag or let's go on the thing. Because all that does is that gives you the sugar to your ears that makes you feel good for a moment, but doesn't really yeah. do anything. It doesn't really do anything, really. I don't know. Right? I mean. Right. You know, right. I, I, you know, and, yeah, that's, and that's the hard part, right? Like, that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the reality of it where you have to sit there and you have to go, we have to break through the cognitive dissonance. You know, we have to break through. We really have to break through the Stockholm Syndrome. And that's the really, really hard part because it oftentimes is like we, we are been in this kind of dreamlike sequence, right? Like it's kind of like simulating yeah. reality, but not necessarily <laughs> reality, you know? And so then when you kind of like, you're like, we got, we got, like, we got to wake up. We got to wake up and get a different energy about us and get excited about what it could be. But it will never be anything different if we continue to do the same things over and over. To me, that's almost just the definition of insanity where we're just like, okay, well, yeah. they said the same things that they were going to do this in the in, you know, 1700s and 18 and the 1900s. And it's oftentimes it's going to be the same thing. The only difference is now you don't have to just put a poster up. You can just go to your phone and put a hashtag. And then, you know, when we look back on it, they'll just go, well, at least they know that I was with them. It's like, okay, save that, you know, keep it. <laughs> That's a great point, man. And I think a lot of people are never even going to want to admit that, um, to be honest with you, but you know, it is, that is what it is. Sunlight's the best disinfectant. Right. And I think that's right. happening uh, with some people right now. What, what mm -hmm. about like with, um, you know, I'm watching Yellowstone and I'm, mm. I'm into the show and it's, and it's great. Um, do you feel that there's a good representation on the show? Because they do show the Native American, mm. you know, sh struggle to some extent um, on mm. the show. I always mm. worry about how things like that get portrayed, that it's mm. not a token portrayal, right? Like if we're going to show... Right. 
if we're going to show Native Americans on a TV show, it has to be about this and the reservation and something right. with the land and, you know, shit like that. Or if we're going to tell a black right. story, it better be about slaves. And if right. we're going to tell a Mexican story, you know, it better yeah. be about struggling to get across the border. border. Um, <laughs> right. And I hate right. that. I, it's yeah. like, why yeah. can't we just tell normal stories for these? Right. They, they, they like the like the every, yeah, the everyday story. You know, the funny, the, the interesting thing about that is, you know, um, you know Taylor uh, Taylor Sheridan, who you know wrote and created the show. Um, you know he's. I think that the he's done a job to try to blend as much as you can blend possibly from all of these different backgrounds as you possibly can in the representation of not just feathering your cap. You know, you know, going around the campfire and doing this. It's like you're trying to also show. You're showing also the. Native American community um, in a way that talks about it with business as well. You know what I yeah, mean? Like where it's true. actually like, you know what I mean? Like I'm talking to you about a business and we're not, and, and, he, and he hasn't shied away from, oh, well, our land was never stolen from us. Like, it's like, he really puts that also at the forefront where it's also like, we're not, he doesn't just like come on and just be like, well, you just have to accept what it is. It's like, no, the reality of the situation is, is that their land was stolen from them. <laughs> and that's the way that it would like, that's the way that it happened. And so I think that it becomes this thing to where you're also talking about the, some of the bigger issues that have happened within the communities, because you're also talking about their economic livelihood, you know, yeah. and so much of that is like in the reservations and all these, because all of these other things have been controlled, there hasn't been any opportunity to be able to expand. And there hasn't been any opportunity to be able to build anything. And there's always just like, just like it is in the real world, that's kind of the way that it is represented also in Yellowstone in that way where it's like he's also showing a real life repre representation of you were, your, the land was stolen from you and then you were given a microcosm to operate in, you know? Yeah. And now what we're watching is like watching you try to operate in this really, really unfair environment. And so I think that what it is is that it becomes this thing to where you try to, uh, you're, you're trying to give these real life stories and these real life representations and then also, like you were saying, but then also not to just become this kind of like, okay, well, here's a stereotypical feather in your cap and X, Y, and Z. And that's the beautiful thing that I do think that he has really shied away from where it's really been about the, like, no, they're educated and they're business and they're strong and they have honor and they have all of these different beliefs. And because of that, oftentimes, this is also the reason why they got plundered because they can't, when, when, pe when people came over here, right? People obviously, there's people there here way before them didn't discover it, but whatever. There's people way before them. They were also teaching them, hey, this is this different civilization. This is how you build this. And because they opened themselves up, because that's the way that their culture is, yeah. they were taken advantage of. And yeah. so this also within Yellowstone, especially within seasons one and two, that's also one of the things that it talks about. It talks about, it's like, look, we're, we, never, we were never here because we wanted to have a war. We just want the things that we had back, you know? And so I think that that's a thing with Yellowstone that he's really also tried to accentuate upon um, to really talk about those real life stories. But I also agree with you that in so many of these shows, man, and in so many movies, that's one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy because it's like, there's, we, oh, we are so much in this, it talks about this um, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about one of these, these curses that you will become a byword in the country of your enslavement. And oftentimes that's literally what has happened where we, be, we become so many bywords in all of these different places where it's, 
oh, well, the Mexicans, this is – your whole struggle is the fact that you want to come over here and have everything for free and get, try to get over this border. And the Native Americans, well, you know, what is it that you guys really do anyways? And the black people, if you're a drug dealer, you're either a drug dealer or the father's not at home and the this and the third. And that's the thing that has always made me sick because I'm like, dude, no, we are also inventors and scientists exactly. and doctors and mathematicians and engineers and all of these things, brilliant things. I mean, the, 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 the thing that has always driven me crazy, you go down to Mexico and even down into South America and you're looking at the pyramids and all these things. This is what we built with no maps. This is with yeah. no maps. <laughs> like with no, oh, well, you know, we didn't need a, a, a foreman and a giant maps totally and giant buildings and, and oh get let's get our let's get our measurements out we sat there and we looked at it because we were master masons and we could sit there and we could go this is how we do it this is how we build this is how we do this when they were fleeing the native americans before they even got here when they were fleeing from assyria when they were fleeing from assyria they're coming all the way from assyria in ships traveling over a year in the water to come all the way over here you can't do that if you're stupid you know what I mean? Like you can't do that and live and then also create a thriving economy if you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, and this is the thing where it's like so much of that is the part that is so frustrating. Like you were saying, it's like you have so much of this that it's like, dude, you're giving us this representation of this dumbed down lowest form of that society and the byword of that as if that's what our only existence is. And then what happens is then you wonder why our kids are so depressed. You wonder why we have mental illness. Like in the African-American community, mental illness is one of the biggest killers. And I also believe that's because we, you don't feel like you came from anything. You feel like you, didn't, you don't have any purpose here. And if I can't become an athlete, and if I don't, you know, if I'm not able to be an entertainer, you know, I'm not able to become a rapper or not this, well, then it looks like all I have is a drug, being a drug dealer. It looks like that's all I got for me, you know? And this is the part that's scary because then on top of all that, you have these bills that were introduced Oh, like the crime bill of 94, where you're taking these men, putting them in prison for low life crimes, you know, for li nothing, now, a little bit of marijuana or X, Y, and Z. Now you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. But then all of yeah. these other things, all these other bills to keep the men out of the household. So it's like you've done through legislation throughout society. What you've done is you perpetuated this cycle that you have created. And then we're stamping it on as a form of entertainment, another form of the you exploitation and that's the thing that is so sad because it's like you're not getting enough people that are willing to say look we're not going to do that we're going to have a show about the family being doctors you know and this is what it's going to be and people will go well that's not entertaining why you have other shows that are <laughs> all about the doctors exactly you know, how many how many different law and like law and orders or pds or x y you have all those <laughs> you know what i mean it's, so it's like so it's like now all of a sudden when i just say that we're going to have it with just a different, like the lead characters are going to have a different color. It's no longer interesting. It's like, so it, you know, so it becomes this very thing where it's like, again, if you're never going to get past your own psychological bias and the way that you're used to seeing this flavor, you're never really going to get anywhere. And so I think that it's like you're trying to slowly wake people up in a different way because if you just stand on the corner and yell, people just tune you out. You know, and I think that's also the hard part of it is that you don't want people just to tune you out. You want them to be receptive. And so I think one of the things with Yellowstone is that it's also done a job of trying to just ease people in further into a conversation 
to have more of these things, you know, without just sitting there and trying to hit, because then people just go, we don't want to hear it. And that's the hard part because you're always walking this very fine line yeah. between yeah. trying to tell the truth and get the yeah. right narrative, but then also being entertaining, you know, so it, it, it's really a hard thing. And so, you know, it's like, you just try to do the best that you can. And then you hope that other people that are a part of the show also then use their platform to then also hope, try to, you know, go further in depth with those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is a great show and it does, you know, lean into some of these issues. Um, I just was surprised from that, from the show, to be honest with you. Yeah. I had never seen, yeah. I had never seen the show. So I just started watching it because you were right. coming on and, um, right. you know, I'm a Kevin Costner fan, I guess. Um, yeah, I right. am. I, I mean, I am. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it surprised the show, the show surprised me. I just was mm -hmm. not expecting, uh, any of that from the show. Um, and look, mm -hmm. I'm from Texas, so I know cowboys and stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm a right. city boy, but right. I've still been around enough. Um, that's another, you know, sort of dynamic that's different, too. You've got mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. sort of a northern cowboy versus like a desert cowboy, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, different. Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, you, and it's a different, it's a kind of a diff, different sets of principles. But, you know, it's also, I think that the thing is with everything is I think that you know, oftentimes you're looking at this type of a show as well. And you're also going like, you know, we like the, the Mexican community, they also did that. You know what I mean? Like, that's also a giant story. Mexico. like, we were all like, we part, like, that's one of the biggest things that we all did farm. Like the one thing that the African American community, the Native American community and the Mexican community know how to do is we can farm the hell out of things. Yeah. And we often, <laughs> like, like, I mean, and this is reality. And the reason why, and it's like, People will laugh at it like it's some low life thing. And it's like, no, this is how you built entire cities and structures right. off of the farming. And if you read scripture, all they were were farmers. That's all. The, your wealth was by how much cattle and how much sheep and goats and things that you had. That's how you knew these people were wealthy because of what they had, not monetarily, because their monetary was in the land and it was the thing. And so I think that what it becomes is it's like you have to re break this cycle of oftentimes of like, oh, well, you know, like one of the great things is like so many of like our rodeos, a lot of the rodeos and stuff like that were created were off of African-Americans that were doing these things, you know, that were, you know, you had people like Bill Pickett who would ride up, a, you know, ride up along bulls on horses and then jump off the bull or jump off the horse onto a bull, bite the lip of a bull and drag it to the ground and last like and tie it up. And so then they took that you market it, you know, you put a different figure, a different person on it, and then you make a whole bunch of money off of it. But it's like, without knowing that history, it's like, dude, that's dope. The very, the same things that you got, every, most people like to consume and love, we were also doing that as well, right? Yeah. And so it's like, you can't <laughs> say that if we then decide to put a different color or the people now look a little bit different than the majority of people that are watching it, that no, it's no longer entertaining. That is then your own form of bias. And that's kind of what we're talking about as well, where it's like, if we were to take the same story and put a different cue and a different character on it, are you still receiving it in the same way? Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. Um, I don't know what, you know, what, what connects us to things that we watch? I, I think a lot of it has to do with, do I relate to it in some way? Right. Can I, could I see myself in that situation? Obviously not right. everything. When I watch Predator, I'm not thinking, oh, that, that could right. be me uh, right. lock, locking arms with Carl Weathers. That's not going to happen, right? Like, right. That's, not, but, that's, that's not a realistic situation. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not a, and that's okay, right? We're into the fantasy thing. But when it's something that right. I'm, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm used to seeing or whatever, it, then that's what I think it becomes. Do, can I see myself in that yeah. situation and, and feel represented? You want to you you see, you want to feel represented and you want to feel seen. And I think that oftentimes so many things are happening now and oftentimes it's what's been going on in our communities for centuries. And just like it's been in Mexico and with, with, uh, with the native Americans beforehand, it's so much of it's about, you want to be heard, but you want to be heard outside of people just sitting there and saying okay now we're gonna let you talk to us because then that's again telling us that we don't then mean anything until you decide to give us attention exactly and and that's and and that really becomes the overarching thing for me i think that the overall thing it becomes this disingenuous feeling where it's like okay well now that i'm willing to listen to what you have to say you're now valuable you're now important you know how these things and I think that that's what we're, we're really striving for. And I think that what's happening is when you don't see a representation of yourself in opt- and the things that you're watching, and then when you do, you're seeing kind of the joke of you that is being represented or the worst part of society in your group or in your situation represented, it puts you into this state of just like, dude, now I walk out and people look at me like I'm going to, you know, that, well, they think I'm going to steal something or I'm going to a nice restaurant. They think that, I can't buy anything, you know, I can't afford anything in this restaurant because they have been watching movies for the last 50 years that said that people are going to come in here and look, that look like me and not be able to afford to pay. And so therefore I can't get good service. And people don't understand the psychology that that creates after decades exactly. and decades of indoctrination and how it bleeds into a real society to where now you're, you go into places and you're, you're like, we're behind the eight ball. And I have to go into places and I have to prove myself worthy of being in an institution to spend money at an institution before I am even looked at as anything. And so I have to say, oh, well, no, I have to. And this is the mindset that you also have to break. You have to go, you know what? If that's the type of institution that you are, that you're in, forget it. I'll spend my money elsewhere. So we also have to sit there and go, enough is enough of that. Because as long as you're consuming it, the more you're consuming it, the more that they're still going to make money off of it regardless if you like it or not. So you have to, at this point, you have to vote with your dollars and wherever your money goes is what, where the narrative is going to go. And so if you start to pull out of those systems and start demanding a different thing, the new things have to come because industries are industries and businesses are businesses. And like we talked about in the beginning, every business has to pivot with the times whether they like it or not. And so to me, it becomes more of, you want to see more of a representation. You have to start pulling out of those certain things and demanding more representation and not opting into it lazily because you just feel hopeless. You have to say, look, if this is what it's going to be, I'm unsubscribing. I'm done. You know what I mean? Like I'm done. And I would rather not have anything than to have me continuously sit here and be force fed the lowest form of my society in the lowest form. When I know that we came from much greater than that, because all I have to do is walk outside or pick up the phone and FaceTime one of my other brothers and sisters and can see what we are, who we are. Yeah. Wow, man, that's, uh, you know, that's powerful. Um, God, that's powerful, Denim. Look, I, I kind of almost want to just end it on that. Uh, but I want to make sure there's nothing else we didn't talk about that you want to talk about. I don't want to end on anything you didn't uh, get to no, say. No, I mean, I, I think, no, I think that it's, you know, I think it's just, it's beautiful to be able to have these conversations. I think that, you know, this is, these are important dialogues that, you know, you, we have to have. Um, and I think that in order to, in order to move anything, in order to have any type of, and I hate saying that word change because again, it's just a fun, it becomes like another fun thing to say, right? Like we, like, I think in order for us to have a different situation than we're used to having, 
I think that it's important for us to be able to have these types of dialogues in hopes that, you know, anybody that's listening to this, like leaves this conversation with more than they came here with. And to me, that's the only, that's the only thing. And hopefully there's things that you don't know. And there's things that you're now like, dang, I didn't hear about this before. And now you want to go and look it up. Because for me, it's all about get into your history, know your history, know where you are, know where you came from. Because if we know where we came from, then we know where we're going. And to me, that is the, the most important thing for us to, to know going forward. That's awesome, man. Wow. That's a great way to end that, man. God, I wish I was, I wish I was better with words like you are, man. And this is what I do for a living. This is horrible, Denim. I'm going to have to rethink this, uh, what I'm doing here. <laughs> no, 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 you're great. And I, I just, I, pre I appreciate you. I'm glad we were able to have such a, a great conversation. And hopefully as things go on, we'll be able to, to do this again and kind of cover more waterfront as, as this stuff to, starts to kind of pick up in a different direction uh, probably within the next, you know, four to six weeks. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Yeah, I would definitely love to have you um, back on the show, man, for sure. Well, look, well, good luck with, um, you know, with the new season coming out and um, I'll, I'm going to keep watching and everything and, um, you know, just good luck with your fight, man, and everything you're doing. I, I honestly agree with just about every single word that you said, um, to be honest with you. So um, I don't really listen to these podcasts, to be honest with you. Like after I'm done with it, I'm kind of done with it. You know what I mean? Because right. I do three, three a week and I'm actually yeah. going to I'm actually going to listen to this one, man. Um, oh. well, uh, I, I, pre I, I really powerful. It's, really, it's, it's a, it's, you know, that all praises are the most high. So I really, I really appreciate that. And I look forward to hearing it when it comes out. Oh, absolutely, man. We'll send over, um, everything, you know, when that happens, um, for sure. So again, man, thank you so much, Denim, for taking the time, man. I hope you're safe out there in uh, in California and, um, yeah, be good brother. Yes, sir. You too. Talk to you soon. Uh, All right, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at patrick at texasrealfood.com. And don't forget, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts, you'll, you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to thelonestarplate.com. And you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. Make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. You know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, that would really help us out. Thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we you know, what's the point of doing this? So if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.